You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Anyway, and then before I read 2 Corinthians chapter 9 to you, I want to talk about the principle that we're going to talk about here. You know, one of the things that I love about Forged is, is that, man, when we get together as men, you know, my brother and I, God taught us generosity through his word and really through our parents. Our parents were very generous to us. My mom worked two jobs just so I could have, you know, new cleats every year. Seriously. That's the only reason she worked the job was so I could be on the debate team and, and have new cleats and, have, and stuff. She worked two jobs, and my parents taught us generosity, but God then taught us why generosity exists and the heart behind it. It's not just about giving. It's about the heart behind the giving. And so, you know, when we get together, things happen. And so we agreed on Forge that we would do a couple things. And, man, we, we said we're going to have this gun raffle, and we're going to take the proceeds and split it between the two churches, and we're going to give it away, every dime of the proceeds. And so last year we raised a little more than this year because we, they bought more expensive guns. And so, but this year we still profited uh, 26, 27, 27, $27,400, and we split that. So we got 13,008 of that, and we're going to give that away. And so we're giving $4,600 to the Chavez County Sheriff's Department. We're giving $4,600 to the Women's Refuge. Um, last year, we gave about, around, right around that same amount, about 5,000 to the RPD, and then 5,000 to the Women's Refuge. And then this year, we're also sending $2,000 to the Portales Children's Home, a Christian organization in Portales. They did our, our uh, in-house study our home study for us when we adopted Jalen. And I knew about them. We sewed into them all the time when I worked in Clovis at Faith Christian uh, because they do a great job as a Christian organization. And you can just take kids there and drop them off and pick them up. Uh, I mean, it's, not, it's not like a, there's no legal thing. They just, you can drop your kids off safely and they will raise them. And a lot of times they end up raising them the rest of their lives. Most parents don't come back and get them, but some do when they get on their feet. But in the meantime, they're in a safe place. It's an incredible organization. They love Jesus. And so they visited our church actually here, we're here last Sunday. They come every year. And we sow into them as a church too because we believe that it's our responsibility to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. Amen? That's, that's what God says to do. So... We're going to give them uh, a couple thousand, two thousand. Then we're going to give the two homes here, uh, transitional housing for men and women. We're going to give them $2,600, $1,300 apiece for each house, for each organization, uh, the transitional homes right here in Roswell. And that's where we're going to sow all those funds. Now, let's read 2 Corinthians. This is why we do that. This is why we love doing that. Not just why we do it, but why we love it. Um, God says right here in verse 9, 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 9, just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him, because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. This generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need, plus more. Then he multiplies. Everybody say multiplies. The seed as you sow it. Let me stop right here. He multiplies the seed only as you sow it. 
So the only thing that gets multiplied is not what you keep, but what you sow. So give. That's the only thing that, get mul- that gets multiplied. Not what you keep, but what you sow. And God says, I want you, there's some you need to keep, right? Because you need to eat on it, right? You need to pay your bills and take care of your family. But then there's other, other, other stuff you need to sow. And he said, I'll multiply what you sow. You know, if I had a bag of seed and I planted half of it and put the other half in my closet, I, can I expect a harvest from the seed in my closet? No, I can only expect a harvest from the seed that I put in the ground. And you notice that we bury seed under the ground. What else do we bury under the ground? People. Why? What, what is that principle that God's talking about? When you put something under the ground, that seed has to die. It has to die to itself in order to become something else. So when we sow, whether it's finances or whatever, when we sow, that has to die to us. What do I mean by that? When I tithe to the church here, I have no strings attached. I don't have any strings attached to my tithe. When I give to people, I have no strings attached, none. I give it, if they end up misusing it, if God tells me to give it, whatever they do with it, that's on them. I don't expect something in return. If I expect something in return, then it never died to me. So if it never dies, it's never gonna produce fruit. So when you give, God wants it to die to us. Like you give it with no strings attached. You help your kids with no strings attached. You're not manipulating them and saying, I helped you, where are you at? No, none of that. None of, Billy, I helped you move. How come you're not helping me move? None of that. None of that. No, I helped you do this. You gotta help me. None of that. None of, Pastor Troy, I tithe. You better do this for me. None of that. You can't purchase me. I've already been bought by the blood of Jesus, amen? No one said anything like that to me in a long time, but I'm, so I'm not saying it for any particular reason, just to teach you and me. Listen, when we sow, it's gone. I give to my mom, to the, Julie and I give to multiple organizations. We give above our tithe here. That's dead to us. That belongs to God. When it's buried and dead, then that's when it can produce a harvest. The only string I have attached to it is, God, you said if I sowed it and let it go, that you would bring a harvest in my life. And he said, not only would he supply your need, but he'll give you more seed to do what? To sow, to give, to sow more. He always supplies seed to the sower. A lot of people don't have anything to give because he doesn't, he's not giving them anything, any seed, because he knows they'll eat it all. They'll eat all the seed. They'll gobble it up. They don't ever see that, hey, you gotta have some seed for the sower. You know, one of the stories, did you share that this service about the person? So last, in last service, Pastor Sean shared a story, and this has happened several times, and so I don't know who this particular couple is, but he shared a story over the tithes and offerings that uh, I was talking to a couple, and they were coming, and they were having financial problems, and I told them, They said, man, we can't afford to tithe. And I said, I can't afford not to tithe. And quite frankly, you're not making it anyway. You might as well tithe because you can't afford not to tithe either. And that he testified how their life is totally, I mean, they, they can't even imagine how their life is now compared to where it was. Listen, if you, if you say, 
I can't give, and I'm not just talking about finances, guys. I'm talking about your life, whether you're online or here. I'm talking about giving, time, effort, energy, love, kindness, all the stuff you sow, finances. If you, if you don't do it, I'm telling you right now, you're gonna get a terrible harvest. Why? Because you're planting something. You're just not planting good things. You're just not planting good things. I thank God. How many of you who have, God's proven out his principle that if you sow into his kingdom, you'll reap a harvest in return? I mean, he's proven that out time and time again. <laughs> and what I, what I like about this, this principle that he's teaching us is that, you know, when you plant a seed under the ground, you can't see anything happening. But a farmer trusts. He trusts that something is going to happen. And God says, listen, when you first plant a seed, you see nothing. Matter of fact, it looks, when you plant seeds in a, in a field, it looks like nothing. It just looks like dirt, right? It just looks like dirt. But he said, you got to trust that when you plant seeds in my kingdom, even though it looks like nothing is happening, that through a period of time, something's going to happen. He said, first the seed, then the blade. Just a little peak of a blade. Right? He said, there's a price teaching us there's a process in which sowing happens that you sow it, doesn't look like nothing's happening. Then eventually you see a little something, and then it starts growing a little bit more and a little bit more. You still don't see a harvest. Then all of a sudden, there's the harvest. It's a process. You know, human babies, women don't get pregnant one night and have a baby the next day. There's a reason. Their bodies need to go through a process. They would hate to go through that process in a 24-hour period. That would probably be, I don't even know what it would probably be. It wouldn't be fun. And so there's a reason why it takes nine months. There's a reason why animals have a gestation period. There's a reason why plants don't grow overnight. There's a process and there's a principle with that process that God is trying to teach us. The principle of sowing and the process of waiting and the process of trusting and the process of believing and then seeing a harvest. He's teaching us those principles. He goes on to say this, then he multiplies the seed as you sow it so that the harvest of your generosity will, what does it say? Will, it's not up there, will grow. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion for when we take our gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. Causes many to give thanks to God. You know what they notice? They notice there's something different about you. They notice there's something different in your giving. They notice there's something different in how you harvest, how you sow, what you do and what you don't do, and the attitude in which you do it. And they notice something's different, and that difference we know is big G-O-D. He's the difference maker. He's the difference maker. Now, Let's go deeper into this principle for a moment. I'm taking you someplace on, because we're talking about different uh, unlikely people in unlikely places. This is how this works. This is a principle of that. Go with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It says this. It says, make no mistake about it. Or other translations say, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. So many people are deceived. 
Man, this is the deception. This is the mistake they make. They think that I can plant, I, I, I don't know how to say this, but they can plant bad seed or crappy seed and somehow get something good out of it. You can't. You can't. You plant bad seed, you're gonna get a bad harvest. God's trying to teach us this principle. He said, don't be deceived. Don't make a mistake. Don't, don't, don't think you can be rude to everybody and people aren't gonna be rude to you. Don't think you can be unkind to everybody and people aren't gonna be unkind to you. Don't think you can do this evil and you're not gonna get evil in return. That's what's coming. You know, I tell people all the time in marriage counseling, don't think you can sow seeds of ugliness. I hate you. I don't like you. I'm going to divorce you. I'm leaving you. Think that you can't sow those seeds. And eventually, you keep sowing it, you're going to reap a harvest of that. You reject others, you're going to get rejected. It's coming. You sow that long enough, I guarantee you, eventually, that harvest is going to come into your life. We should speak life. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Man, we can plant things with our tongue. This is a principle of God. He said, don't be deceived. You can't plant ugly and get beautiful. You're going to plant beautiful, you get beautiful. You plant ugly seed, you're going to get ugly in return. I know people that are always offended. They're always offended by everybody else. And guess what? They're always offending others. So they walk in offense constantly. They're sowing seeds of offense. Or people who self-sabotage themselves because they think, this isn't going to work. It's never going to work. I'm never going to get ahead. This is never going to happen. This is never, 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 never. Or I always, 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 I, and nothing good ever comes out. Everything I try fails. Da, 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 da. And they speak that, and they live it. They live that. They live off the fruit of their seed that they planted. So I've got good news and bad news for you. Depends on where you're at. That where you're at is a result of the seed you planted yesterday. Someone might say, praise God, I planted a good seed. I'm in a good place. Others might think, oh me, I'm gonna have to take some responsibility for the seed I planted the relationship I have with my husband or my wife is because of seeds I planted. The relationships I have with my children. Man, I don't like it when I hear people say, my children are monsters. My children are this. My children are that, this, and another thing. My children will never get ahead. They never act right. They never, they'll never, they'll never get it right. They'll never, man, I'm like, golly, you're speaking death and you're gonna reap it. Life and death is what you plant. This is a principle of God for every aspect of our life. Listen to the rest of what he says. He says, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. For what you plant will always be the very thing you, what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. You plant it and you harvest it. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. How does that work? Well, if I plant tomato seeds... I'm pretty, well, this, this is how it works. If I walk up and see a tomato plant, I'm really about 100% positive that they planted a tomato seed. He said, your harvest reveals what you planted. If there's oranges on a tree, I'm pretty sure they planted an orange seed. Right? He's, if, there's, if there's baby chickens, I'm pretty sure there's a mama and papa chicken. I'm not looking for elephants that produce chickens. 
right? If there's elephants, I'm going to see some baby elephants eventually. Why? Because everything produces after its own kind. God spoke this principle in Genesis. It's always been a principle of his that he said, everything will produce after its own kind. And then he said to us, be fruitful and multiply. How do you become fruitful? You have to first be fruitful to multiply. How do you become fruitful? You got to sow seed. Human beings sow human beings seeds and produce human beings. That's the point he's trying to make. You will, the harvest you get is the result of what you planted yesterday or last year or five years ago. But you're going to get a harvest from it. Now, I've got good news for you. If you've planted a crappy harvest or a crappy seed, you can, you, the, only God can do this. Only God can, only God can do this. Only God. You can ask him to forgive you and actually repent, which means to change your, change your thinking in the direction you're going to follow him. That's repentance, change. Change your thinking in the direction you're going and follow him. And he said he can uproot that seed. You won't produce, it won't produce the whole harvest. You won't get everything you deserve. Man, isn't God good? We're the only beings on the planet, on the, in the universe, that, the known universe, that, that, that get an opportunity not to always get what we planted. We're the only beings. Because God loves us, he sent Jesus. And his blood can change everything. His blood can end an ugly harvest and turn it beautiful. He can. He's the only one that can do it. He turns weeping into laughing. He turns mourning into dancing. He's the only one that can do it. So if you turn to him, there, I mean, you can change the harvest. Oh, I'm so grateful, man. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful. He said, if you plant corrupt seeds of self-life, selfishness into this natural realm, you can expect a harvest of corruption. If you plant good seeds of spirit life, you'll reap beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And don't, don't allow yourselves to be weary in planting good seeds for the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. He's saying, man, don't grow weary. Don't give up. You planted that seed. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. It might, like look, might not look like something's happening, but if you trust God, something is happening and it will produce the harvest. He said, take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others. Why? It's more blessed to give than to receive. That's why. This is why that principle exists, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. He said, be good to everybody, especially those in the house of God, your brothers and sisters that, that love Jesus. I mean, this is just a principle, and it's vital that we grab a hold of it because in order to be an unlikely person in an unlikely place, otherwise that God takes your normal, everyday, common life, maybe even sorry life, and does something special with it, you have to understand this principle. You have to understand this principle. You have to understand the principle that God is not mocked. What you sow, you'll reap. And that even if you sow ugly seed, but you turn to God, he'll uproot that. He won't let it produce all the harvest. And then he'll teach you how to sow good seed. And he'll turn your life around. He's the only one that can do it. I said he's the only one that can do it. Put up Isaiah 64, 8 on the screen for me. This is the same principle. This is the principle that, 
that you sow and you reap, but it's also the principle that God can take something and transform it if you'll allow him to. He said in Isaiah 64, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the, we are the, and you are, and all we are the work of your hand. We are all the work of your hand. We are all the work of your hands. We're the clay, but he's the potter. Now, go to Jeremiah right here. Jeremiah 18, verses 3 and 4. It says this. God sent Jeremiah to learn a lesson. He said, I'm going to teach you something. And so Jeremiah, it says this. Then I went down to the potter's house. God wanted to teach him something at the potter's house. And there he was, making something at the wheel. Next verse, verse 4. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Potter. So that means the vessel that he was about to transform was already a vessel, but it was marred. It was damaged. So he made it, what's that word? Again, into another vessel. Oh man, I'm so grateful. Only God can do this. Only God can take a vessel of dishonor and make it honorable. Only God can take a common pot and make it sub and pour it, fill it full of treasure. Only God can do this. Only God. And so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. As it seemed good to the potter. Now I said something about clay last week and I didn't talk about it, but I'm going to talk about clay right now. There's a couple principles we need to understand in God transforming and changing and using our lives. So go with me to Ephesians. You're right there in Galatians. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 25 and 26 here in just a moment. Don't read it now. I shouldn't have even told you. Because most of you will start reading it. But there's a couple things that have to happen for clay to be to be transformed and to be used. So clay represents, it. all the time the Bible talks about clay, it always represents transformation, regeneration, new birth. Clay always represents that, always. Born again, all those principles of something that was in a raw state and, un, un, uh, and not useful to being turned into something special that is useful transformed from one thing to another. And so that's what clay always represents. But there's, there's a couple principles of clay that we have to get. And one of the principles of clay is you cannot, you cannot transform it. You cannot make it into something of honor and value until you add water to it. You have to add water to it. If you ever see someone at a pottery wheel, they'll be adding water all the time to that clay. Why? Because that's only the time that the clay becomes moldable. Listen to Ephesians 5, verse 25. And to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. Talking about the church. For he died for us, the church, sacrificing himself to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. So when I pray over my wife, I'll pray this prayer a lot. I'll say, God, I'm washing Julie with the water of the word. And I'll just begin to speak the word over her. And I always see it like the cares and stresses of life and stuff. I always see it that 
that it's almost like Julia's got like mud on her or something. And I always see when I'm speaking the word that all that stuff is just being washed off by the water of the word. That's how, just how I envision it in my mind. And God said, I want to add water to you in order to make you moldable. You can't be moldable into God's kingdom until you allow the word of God to water your life. Otherwise, you're just stuck in this hard clay, hard-hearted. And because it's, you're hard, life's going to be hard. And you're, you're hopeless. You can't be shaped. You can't be molded. It's hopeless in that state because there's no way you can be reshaped. There's no way you can be born again. There's no way you can be transformed until you allow the water of God's word to change who you are. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind by the word of God. When we water our minds, it changes our ideas, our emotions, our, our attitudes. It brings the best out of our personality and teaches us to not, not major on the minor. It brings the best out of our personality, and it limits the negative parts of our personality. and can even transform them into something good. And, and it begins by allowing the water of God's word, his word that says Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And he won't be Savior until he's Lord. The good news is God sent a Savior and he's the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for our sins and rose again. That's good news. We can be transformed. Our very nature that we're born with the first time, that's why it's called born again. We're born with this nature of Adam and Eve, which is not good. That's why children say, mine, though fits, mine, they're immature, they're selfish. They're just, they're born selfish, Right? Change my diaper, feed me, hold me. You know, I don't even know what I want. I'm just going to cry all night. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> right? I'm just going to keep you up. That's what we're going to do tonight. I'm just going to complain all night. And so, but, and, you know, sometimes they're not feeling well. They don't know what to do. And you don't know what to do for them. But, but, but it's just this nature of me, 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 me. And God comes in when you accept him as Lord and Savior. He comes in and he transforms by that word that he's the Lord and Savior, that he died for your sins and he rose from the grave and he loves you. He wants to say, when you receive that, it, he goes in with the water of that word. It changes that hard heart of yours and it literally is transformed by the Holy Spirit into a heart, uh, from a heart of disobedience to a heart of obedience to God. From a heart that's going to hell to a heart that's going to heaven. From a heart that wants to do wrong and plots to do wrong all the time to a heart that says, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do this. And then when we water our brains, our brains transform too to line up with our hearts and we start going the right direction now. But it has to be watered by the word. And then the second thing a potter has to do, I got to hurry up here. The second thing a potter has to do is he has to play. He gets that clay and he starts watering it. And he places it at the center of the wheel. The center of the W-H-E-E-L. And that's, that's a message to us that we need to be, we need to place ourselves in the center of God's W-I-L-L. 
So when, the, when he waters us with the word, he makes us moldable and shapeable, and he changes our heart first. And then as we water our brains, our minds, he starts changing our imagination, our emotions, our personalities. He starts transforming our ideas, our thoughts, and our opinions to his way, his truth, his life. Not, not a way, a truth, a life, but the way, the truth, and the life. And he starts changing us. And man, because our hearts and minds are working together, man, now, now we're going the right direction. Now we're moldable and shapeable. Man, he can take us. He can take a common pot, a common of a pot of dishonor. He'll start molding it. He'll make it, he'll make it a, a pot of honor and he'll start filling treasures in it. He'll put treasures in it. That's how this works. That's what he wants to do. That's how he takes common people in common places or unlikely people in unlikely places and does something supernatural because people submit and say, man, I, I, you're, you're not just Savior. Everybody wants a Savior, but not everybody wants the Lord. In, in order for him to be Savior, he's got to first be Lord. He's Lord and Savior. Amen. That's why a lot of people... A lot of people will pray because they're reaching out for a Savior. They don't want a Lord, but he can't be Savior unless he's Lord. Until you place your life in the center of his W-I-L-L and water it with the word, you won't see any fruit of that until you do that. You do that, man, now there's going to be a transformation taking place. Now, now, man, now. Now your life is going to begin to take off. Oh, now he's the potter, man, and he loves you. This isn't some old potter. This is God the Father who loves you. He's shaping you into everything you're supposed to be, everything you're supposed to accomplish. And there's that process. He's doing that. And we talked about the two processes that he does simultaneously. He's he's preparing you for your destiny and your destiny for you. And it's simultaneous. It's working hand in hand. But you can slow it down. You can stop it by not accepting him as Lord and Savior. And you can slow it down by not watering your life with the word and rejecting his word and accepting the ways of the world. You can slow it down. And eventually, we know with the children of Israel, they tempted God 10 times uh, and, and rejected him 10 times and wouldn't submit to him. And they didn't get to the promised land. He took care of them. They made it to heaven eventually. But, man, they, they didn't make it into the promised land. We don't ever want to put, thank God we're under a different covenant, man. They're under the covenant of the law. We're under the covenant of the blood. We got a lot more grace. So it might not be 10 times. Hopefully, you know, it's a a thousand times because I've needed a bunch of chances. There's a man in our church. I can't mention names, places, or anything like that. uh, uh, But, man, he... He graduated from college, and man, his first job, he thought, I got a college degree. I'm going to go get me this great job. And the only door that opened to him was the kitchen, and he was washing dishes. He's like, I'm in here with a college degree, washing dishes, working in the kitchen. Then the other half of the time, he was the janitor. And he's like, man, I got a college degree. I'm in here washing dishes. I understand why I'm working on my degree. I'm the janitor and washing dishes. That's cool. But I I thought when I got here that I was going to, all these doors, no doors open to it. That door opened. Then one day he was talking to one of his buddies, and one of his buddies said, how much you making in there? And he said this, and he said, man, I'm making quadruple that work in construction. So now the next door that opens to him is construction. So he went from washing dishes and janitor to construction. But he's disgruntled. That's a mild word. 
I've been disgruntled at a very high level where I was griping and complaining, like, God, come on, this? Why did these doors shut and this door open? Man, I didn't, well, I didn't pray for this door. I prayed for that door, but that door closed and this door opened. What in the word am I doing here? And I've griped and complained and griped and complained. And guys, every time we do that, every time I did it, I pushed further away the destiny of God in my life. I extended the process in which he was preparing me for my destiny. Sometimes his preparation of your destiny, it gets out further ahead than us because we're griping, complaining, disgruntled, mad, angry, and we're not doing what God said to do in our lives. So they get, these things get unequal. You go that far enough, God will take somebody else and put them in that spot. I'm probably the thousands pastor he sent here to dig in and start reaching the lost and giving and sowing and doing. Guys, we started off in what's going to be our maintenance building across the street. But we started sowing. We've sowed over $4 million in 20 years. People used to call us the poor church. That old poor church down there. Now we're the rich church. They weren't happy with us when we were poor, and they're not happy with us now that we're the rich church. I mean, it doesn't matter what we do, they're mad. But you know how we got here? Giving. We are givers, man. We're giving. We're a giving church. We give over 10% of everything we bring in away. Over 10%. I want to get to where we're giving 50%. 60% of everything we bring in, we give away. But we're over 10%. We give 12 to 15% every year away. Everything we bring in, we give it away. Why? Because he multiplies the seed. Come on now. He only multiplies the seed you sow. And so anyway, man, it's the principle of God that if we'll allow him to mold us, if we'll water our lives with the word and actually not just hear the word but do the word, man, he'll begin to shape and mold and our destiny, he's preparing our destiny for us and he'll be preparing us for our destiny. Those things will intersect somewhere along the line. They will meet when everybody's ready. And with this particular man, so he's working kitchen, construction, janitor, he's working all, then finally a door opens. Finally a door opens, and he walks through this next door. It's a professional job. It pays better, and God promotes him through it, and then this other door begins to open that he's not even really that qualified for, but God opens that door, and guess what? In, in the, the next step he's taken, there's a kitchen. There's janitorial services, and there'll be construction. God was closing doors and opening these doors because he was preparing him for his destiny so that when his destiny met, uh, the preparation of his destiny for him and the preparation of him for his destiny met, he was prepared. He's worked in the kitchen. He's worked janitorial. He understands construction. I mean, he's got all these tools to do what God has now promoted him way above to do. And like me, he's like, gosh, Lord, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been griping and complaining and disgruntled and mad at you because this door closed and this door opened. And golly, I got to stop acting like that. And just trust. 
Just trust him. He's the potter. We're the clay. Water our lives with the word. Do the word. Do the word. Do the word. He'll prepare. He'll do what he's going to do. You can't always see it, but he's doing it. And the doors he's opening and the doors he's closing are for a reason and for a purpose. And you trust God and you trust God and you trust God. And then one day that harvest starts coming. You start to get the harvest. And so you gotta you gotta let you gotta water your life with the word, and you've gotta set your life in the center of and purpose in your heart. God, I want your will, not my will. And you won't be perfect at it, but you can get really good. And even when you blow it, you can run right back to the center of the wheel. That's what I love about God. Man, He's a God of another chance. And so we talked about some other things. So I, I want you to think about sowing and reaping. I want you to think about the clay. I want you to think about how God is shaping and moving your destiny and that there'll be detours. There'll be open and closed doors that you might not understand, but trust God, trust God, trust God. Just trust him. Well, pastor, what if I closed the door that I should have walked through? Guess what? You just cannot keep on watering your life with the word, not just being a hearer, but a doer. You know, God is so cool. You'll be trucking along, and he'll open that door again. That's so cool. He'll, he'll open that door again. He'll give you another shot. He's not trying to get you to fail. He wants, he's not that kind of teacher. He's not that kind of father. He's always trying to set you up to win. So when the time's right, and you get your heart right, and you get your mouth right, Man, he'll open that door again so you don't blow it again. What if, I, what if I've blown it five times, ten times? Guess what? If you'll repent, you'll change your thinking, the direction you're going, which is called repentance. If you'll say, God, I, I'm just not asking you to forgive me. I repent. I'm changing my thinking, the direction of my life. And so, God, I want you to give me another shot at this. And I'll trust you that your time will be right. And I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to keep my mouth off of you, off of this situation. I'm just going to keep watering my life with the word. I'm going to keep centering my life in your will. And I'm just going to wait for you to give me that shot again. I'll wait on you as long as it takes. Because he's a God of another chance, not just a second chance. I'm so grateful. And I gave, you, I gave you several things to consider, and we talked about stepping out in faith. We talked about having an unwavering belief in God's love because faith worketh through love. When you have an unwavering belief that God loves you, he loved you when you were his enemy. He loves you now. He loves you when you fall, and he loves you when you stand. When you have that unwavering belief, it will, it will inspire you to step out in faith. And then number three, you gotta care more about what God thinks than what other people think. Now, that doesn't mean you're weird. Like, well, I'm, you're just quoting scripture all the time and smacking people around and you kind of get odd with all that. Like, I don't care anything about what you think. I just care what God thinks. And they're trying to correct you in a right way. Okay? You can't use that as a weapon or a defense mechanism or as some arrogant thing that you try to play on other people when you do wrong, okay? Because I've seen too many people get weird about that. Don't get, don't get religious and weird about it. You're being corrected even by your boss who's an unbeliever and he's right or she's right, you receive it. Someone say amen. amen. Don't say, I don't care what you think, I just care what God thinks. Well, you just lied to me. 
You know, doesn't God say something about not lying? I mean, or working hard or, you know, you made a mistake. Let me correct you. I mean, don't, don't get religious with that. Oh, amen. God's practical. Number four, think outside the box. Big Jim mentioned something the other day. He said, what do we put in boxes? We put dead people in boxes. Don't put yourself in a box where you're killing your own opportunities because you, you won't allow God. And don't, definitely don't put God in a box where you're saying, God, you can't, there's no way you can do this. There's no way you can change this. There's no way you can restore this. Oh, my gosh. He brought back the nation of Israel when Israel was dead for 2,000 years. That's never happened in the history of the world. Most nations past 150 years will not come back. Why? Because their culture's dead. They've been absorbed. 2,000 years later, if he can breathe life into, come on, don't put him in a box and think he can't do it. He can't change it. Don't put your life there. Then number five, you have to think, you have to think. You have to think. I like what John Maxwell says. He says, thinking is hard. That's why most people don't like it and don't do it. You have to really think, and you have to think God's way. Philippians 4, it says, think on things most of the time. Most of the time, think on things that are noble, things that are good. You can't have this negative thinking process and this problem. There's always a problem. There's always an issue process. No, man. You have to think the way God wants us to think. You have to allow him to change the way you think. I was such a negative person. I could walk into a room and find 10 things negative before I could even think about one thing positive. And, man, I don't think that way anymore. God has transformed my mind. I'm much more positive. And he, he's done it. It's it's the Word and the Spirit working on me and me applying myself to do it and to act on it. He's changed how I think. I'm a problem solver, not just a problem pointer-outer or a problem creator. Now I think, how do we fix it? How do we solve it? How do we help? How do we change it? Then number six, this is new, don't be afraid to fail. Proverbs 24, 16 says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. The number seven is the number of completion. That means not just seven times, but pfft, however many times. The number eight, when he says, but he gets back up again, that number eight is the, is the, the, eight is the number of new beginnings. And so, man, it's like, okay, I followed a bunch, but I, can't, I get a new chance. I get another opportunity. I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to learn from my past mistakes, but I'm not going to let failure go to my heart, and I'm not going to let success go to my head. I'm not going to operate in pride, nor am I going to have this victim's mentality that I'm a failure or this low self-esteem dominate my life. I'm not going to do it. If I failed, I'm going to learn from my failures. I'm going to take the lesson, but not the failure with me. Take the lesson, but not the failure with me. Don't internalize failure. Don't internalize failure. You learn from it. Grow from it. Pick yourself up and go again. Don't let it defeat you. Guys, we all fail. We probably fail more than we succeed. But some people internalize that failure. Others are like, God, forgive me, or God, teach me and show me. And, and I think more of that failed more than I failed. And when I even think I failed, I think in terms of God, forgive me, and I receive that forgiveness, and I move on. I'm not going to internalize failure. Don't do it. You'll never achieve what God wants you to be. Don't internalize failure. Get back up. 
get back up. Get back up. God loves you, man. He'll forgive you. He'll help you. Get back up today. Number seven and the last one. You have to have a can-do attitude. Not a, I can't, but I can. Henry Ford said, I think I can, I think I can't. Both are right. Philippians 4.13 says what? I can through who? Who? I can, I can. I can do what? All the, everything in front of me, everything I need to do, stuff, bad stuff, good stuff, doesn't matter. I can overcome it. I can, I can get beyond it. I can get ahead of it. I can, man, I can do it. I can do all things through Christ. I always rely on God to help, always. God's my business partner. He's my, he helps me be a father, a husband. Man, he's my co-parent. Everything, I mean, God said we're co-laborers with him. Man, I'm co, I'm, 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 I got God in everything. And he's not just, we're not just equal. He's my boss, he's the head of me. He's the Lord. He says in Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to the man, all things are possible to those who believe, believe in God. And that he's the God that can make the impossible possible. Man, when you have possibility thinking instead of impossibility thinking, woo, man, even the world uses that principle and achieves stuff. They, even the world, man, people who are serving Satan think that way, and they build great companies and great things. How much more do the children of the Almighty God should think like that? We should be building the companies. We should be leaving, leading the technology age. We should be leading in medical science. We should be leading in industry. We should be leading the government. It should be us. But the world thinks more about possibilities than the children of all. He said, the world is wiser in those kind of things than my own children are. And he says this, it shouldn't be so. We should be the possibility thinkers not the impossibility thinkers. Wow. Teach your children to think that all things are possible if you believe and trust and serve the almighty, all-possible God. The only thing's impossible is for him to do wrong, him to do evil. That's what he said. The only thing's impossible is for him to lie. Those are the only impossibilities. The one who trusts, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, don't trust in your own opinions. Don't trust, don't, don't trust in your own opinions, but lean on God. That song, Lean On Me, comes from this scripture. God wants us to lean on him, lean on his principles, lean on his promises, lean on his word, lean on his way, his truth, his life, the way, the truth, the life. Lean on him. That's how I live my whole, I can't, I don't know how else to live. I don't have a plan B. I, it's God, man, you gotta help me in every aspect of my life. That's what he wants from all of us. And when you do that, man, guys, he'll begin to mold and shape your relationships and your life. It's not perfect, but man, it is Campbell's soup. Mm, 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 good. For you younger people, there used to be a Campbell's Soup commercial like that. Listen, every eye closed here and online, 
Man, if you're with us online, thank you. I don't, if you're with us live, that's awesome. If you're with us tomorrow or next week or the week after, that's cool too because this word is still for you. This word is now and it's tomorrow and the next week. This word is for you. God's word is always present. It's always a now word. And this is a now moment right now, right now in this present situation right here, sitting here online watching. Where are you now? What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is where are you with God now? Are you in right standing with God? Is your relationship with God right? And let me say this. Everybody grasps for a Savior on a sinking ship. But he can't be Savior until he's Lord. He said, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord, is the Lord, you will be saved. He's got to be Lord first, then Savior. What does Lord mean? Boss, master, you're submitted your life to him. Well, golly, what kind, of, what kind of God is that? He wants me to submit. He's the God that submitted first. He's the God that sent his only begotten son who submitted, who submitted to God and submitted to us, who gave his life for us first. He submitted first. He's not asking me or you to do something he hasn't already done. He said, Jesus said, not my will, not my will, Father, but your will be done. And they didn't, they didn't take Jesus' life. He gave his life. He submitted his life to save us for our sin, our junk. And he died to save us. That's how far his submission went his whole life. All of his blood, his whole life spilled out, poured out. So that we could live for him. He died for us. Wow. He's not asking me and you to do something he didn't do. He's the ultimate Lord, the ultimate leader. He died to himself so we could live. He's asking you and me to die to ourselves so that he could live through us. We're not robots in this relationship. It's a, it's a personal and intimate relationship with God. And if you don't have that, you're not right with him. You know if you died today, you wouldn't go to heaven. You know it. Or you even question it. Shouldn't be any question in your heart and mind. If there's a question or, or you don't, you say absolutely not. I mean, you're honest enough to say no. I wouldn't go to heaven. I'm not right with God. Jesus isn't the Lord of my life. But you want him to be. You want to go to heaven. You want to get right. You want him to be Lord and Savior. Why? Because you've tried it your way. Your, your opinions. Your way. Your and man, you realize, just like I did, it's not. this ain't working. This is not working. It's not working. And even though on the outside it looked like it was working in my life, on the inside, man, it was dark and dreary, and I was, I was angry, and I was lost. I had no idea who I was. I wore all kinds of masks and just had no clue. 
trying to be this kind of man and that kind of person. Just, man, just trying because I had no clue how to be, what to be. Maybe that's you. But when you're alone with your thoughts, you know, man, I'm lost. I, I really don't know. I act like I know what I'm doing and I don't. That's where I was. First time I ever prayed was a prayer, just like what we're about to pray. Maybe it needs to be your first time. Maybe you've never prayed. Or maybe you've prayed before and you've, you've ran away. You've walked away. You've gone away from God and you just need to come home. Listen, come on. Come on back. God loves you. He never stopped loving you. You can say, well, I've been an enemy of God. He loved you. He loved me when I was his enemy. He loved us all when we were enemies. He died for us when we were on his enemy. That's how much God loves. That's how much he can see past the junk and see the good in us that he can produce in us. The best in us. Instead of just all the worst. But you choose today, life and death, heaven and hell. You choose today who the Lord of your life will be. Satan will be Lord. You'll think it's you, it's really him. Or Jesus can be Lord, the one that loves you. You choose. And so online, if you're like, man, I've never prayed, but I want to pray. Or I need to pray again. I, I've walked away. I've ran away from God. I need to come home. Listen, online, right now, send us a message. I'm praying for the first time. I'm praying for the next time. There's no strings attached to that. I promise. We just want to know. And you need to tell somebody. And in this room, you need to, you need to testify. And my, this is how you do it. On the count of three, I'm asking you to raise your hand up high and say, it's me. I need to get right with God. And then right where you're seated, we're going to pray. And right where you're at online, we're going to pray. No strings attached to that. This is about you and God, but you need to make some stands. And you need to pray not just for a Savior, but a Lord, that you're giving your life, submitting your life to Him because you trust that He loves you more than you love you. He loves you more than your mama loves you. He loves you more than anybody will ever love you. And you trust that He has a better plan for your life than you do or this world does. you submit your life to him as he submitted his life for us say God my life is yours you're the potter I'm the clay do what you want God do what you I know it's going to be good so if that's you online send us that message right now first time next time praying in this room one when I get to three just raise your hand if you want to get right with God before you leave here two three raise your hand up right now put it up thank you all back there all around here yes oh man everywhere praise God thank you guys so much God bless you you put those hands down let's pray church God is doing a new thing right now so online in here let's all pray together say this together say God I believe you are God and God alone. That you love us and you created us to be the object of your love. But you gave us free will. And our forefather, Adam, he sinned and brought sin in death on all of us. But you sent Jesus and in his death in his resurrection you brought life back to us. 
thank you. Thank you for doing that. Rescuing us. Saving us. So I say to you today, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. I give you my life. I submit my life to you. And I trust you right now to save me, to change me, to teach me how to serve you, how to become what you created me to be. And I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, to forgive me of all my sins and uproot all the ugly seed that I've planted and teach me how to plant good seed, how to plant your seed and get your harvest for my life. Thank you, Father, for saving my life, transforming my life from the inside out right now. In Jesus' name, thank you. So be it. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate the goodness of God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.